Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast World Cup Daily. Day 7 of World Cup 2018 is done. Brian Strauss and I will be talking about that and other topics today as part of our podcast coming to you daily from Russia through July 16th. Just a small request, it would be a huge help if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It helps people find us. In this episode, I'm also joined by Landon Donovan, who provides his thoughts on the World Cup so far, the controversy over his ads supporting Mexico, and what comes next for him now that his playing comeback with Leon is over. Onward! Let's bring in Brian Strauss, who is not with me tonight in person. You are in Nizhny Novgorod after a train ride. You're staying at a crappy hotel. Hello, Brian. All of that is true. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's okay, man. It's uh, it's travel. Uh, it was funny. I, I was on, on the train ride today. I had a, a chat for most of the ride with a, a Russian guy and an Argentine guy who were both coming out for the game. And the Russian guy translated a question from a woman sitting next to him uh, who wanted to know from me and the Argentine guy how we found Russia so far. She was very curious about our impressions of Russia. And I answered before setting foot in Nizhny Novgorod that my guess is that Moscow is not Russia. My guess is that Moscow is an entity unto itself. Um, you know, how people always say that if you want to leave, if you want to see England leave London, um, it would be like assuming Man- Manhattan is, is representative of the, of the U.S. Um, that was my feeling about Moscow, because Moscow is just too monumental and cosmopolitan. And, and, and I just don't imagine the rest of Russia having that sort of feel. And boy, was I right, man. Wow. Um, <laughs> I don't pat myself on the back a lot, but uh, I nailed that one. Um, so, uh, so yeah, five five days in Nizhny. Um, Going to do uh, Argentina, Croatia tomorrow. Going to do England, Panama um, after whenever that is, <laughs> and then uh, crawl back to Moscow, beaten and defeated. Um, but yeah, some games today too. So. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty to talk about today. I, what I would say is, is that while you are getting to see a bit of the real Russia, paradoxically, you probably would prefer to be in Moscow again, correct? At the moment, um, having not eaten anything and <laughs> and being in the aforementioned crappy hotel, right now, yes, I miss my <laughs> Courtyard Marriott, and I would like to be back there. But you know what? Maybe tomorrow, maybe I'll get to see some of the city. I'll start to feel a little bit of Argentina-Croatia buzz. Maybe I'll feel a bit different, um, but like yes, at this very second, um, I miss you, Grant. I, I miss our, I miss our, I miss our stone wall, and and uh, I miss fighting my way over through Nikolskaya Street, and um, yeah. So, but maybe I'll feel differently in the, in the next day or two. So this is where I take over the podcast briefly and talk about today's game, since you were in transit and did not see any of them. Uh, you picked a good day to Baton miss. handed to you. Yeah, you picked a good day to miss. It was pretty, uh, overall, uh, in relation to other days we've seen at the World Cup, fairly boring. Uh, we had three one nothing games, three uh, established soccer countries winning against three not as established soccer countries. Portugal won, Morocco zero. Morocco's out of the tournament. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo scores again in the first three minutes. Uh, now has four goals on the tournament. 
which is pretty impressive when you look at the last three men's World Cups. Nobody has scored more than six goals in any of those World Cups. And Ronaldo already has four. So if Portugal can make a run here in this tournament, it really looks like Ronaldo could do something we haven't seen in a while at a World Cup. And, um, you know, Portugal actually got outplayed today, which uh, was the case the other night. But now they have four points. They're in good shape. And, uh, you know, this group is sort of... And it was the case case, case all through the Euros two years ago, too, right? I mean, that's... uh... That's the brilliance of Ronaldo, just just a, a, an unstoppable winning force. Yeah, I mean, it's um, they got the job done. You know, you could say the same thing about Uruguay, one nothing over Saudi Arabia. The Saudis weren't nearly as bad as they were the other day against Russia, but they had one horrible moment when the goalkeeper flaps and misses at uh, a ball in the box. Luis Suarez pushed some small defender out of the way and finished and that was it you know and uh uruguay advances in group a russia now advances in group a so the only drama left in group a is to find out who will win the group uruguay or russia they'll play each other with something at stake uh uruguay will need to win that game to uh to win the group and theoretically avoid spain i would think um, the other game today, Spain won, Iran zero. Um, Spain dominated against, uh, you know, a very defensive-minded Iran team. No surprise there. Uh, finally, Diego Costa, off his knee, gets the goal. And Iran looked like they might have scored the equalizer, but VAR made clear that that was not the case. Uh, it looked like there was offside and maybe even a handball. Um and so we're left with Morocco out, which is unfortunate because they just had no finishers. I mean, they, they look good in both their games and couldn't finish. So no points, no goals, uh, despite looking good. You know, and it's a reminder that, you know, if you're Portugal and you're outplayed for two games, if you have Ronaldo who can finish, having a great finisher, a world-class finisher is uh, pretty special. Diego Costa's got three now, too, right? Didn't he have two the other night? Yeah. So, you know, it, it seems like... Sneaky three goals? Yeah, he's at three. Uh, I, I re- remain sort of amused by Diego Costa scoring goals for Spain, even though he has, you know, his style just does not match up with the way the rest of Spain plays. So let's talk about Argentina-Croatia. That's what you're out there for at first. Um to me, this is a huge game because you've got Argentina one point from the first game against Iceland, really needing a victory here against a Croatia team that was very uh, veteran, very uh, no drama in beating Nigeria 2 nothing, and a great Croatian midfield with Luka Modric, with Ivan Rakitic, with Ivan Perisic, um, and a veteran group that Honestly, I think it give Argentina some trouble here. Well, and 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 uh, Rakitic and Modric, of course, very familiar with Messi from from La Liga. You know, Rakitic is teammates, um, so they're not going to see anything from Argentina's best player that that uh, bewilders or beguiles. Um, my my uh, what's my focus group of one on the train over 
I was asking uh, the Argentine guy, a Boca fan, sort of how he felt about things. And he, you know, maybe he's speaking for, for others. Maybe it was just him. But he said, you know, I'm not too worried. You know, we, 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 didn't, we didn't really wake up against Iceland. You know, maybe we'll wake up against Croatia. You know, this is, this is when, this is when the, 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 the event and the pressure and the spotlight really sort of starts for us and, and we'll wake up in this game. So it sounds to me like, like you know, this has the must-win game feel. This has the, the World Cups really starting today. You know, we're not, we're not, the tie against Iceland is only a disaster if they don't follow it up with three points against Croatia. That was the sense I, I got from him. Um, you know, I hope they keep, I hope they stick with Aguero. I, I think he's a player that, that is really creative and dynamic, and I think he adds a dimension um, to Argentina uh, that Higuain doesn't just with his movement and his vision and his ability to maybe interchange a little bit with Messi. Um, so I hope they stick with that, um, and I think that they can assume that uh, Croatia's not going to play with, you know, essentially nine players occupying, you know, uh, a, 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 a Ten by ten, you know, between the penalty spot and the top of the arc, you know that they're going to have a little bit more room against Croatia than they did against uh, Iceland. Croatia is going to want to have some of the ball. Um, they're going to be looking to feed Mandzukic, Mandzukic and uh, you know, and play a little bit more proactively than Iceland did. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great game. These are two teams that are capable of going far in the tournament. Um, you know, two you know pedigreed soccer nations with big names. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm feeling it, you know, like this is, this is what Germany and Mexico felt like, you know, you're, you're seeing a, a big game between two teams in this weird, in this weird city. Um, so it's going to be good. Yeah. I mean, like, I think we've had two days of sort of this world cup taking a breath. Um, and I think we're due for a really intense game between Argentina and Croatia. Um, and I think we're going to get it because I think both teams, as you said, are going to be willing to have a more open game. You know, I mean, Croatia is certainly not going to sit back. Argentina is not going to sit back. I just saw actually uh, from Martina Revelo, uh, Argentine journalist, the 11 for Argentina. And I'm surprised that it does not include Pavone, the Boca Juniors uh, winger who came on against Iceland and created some real danger. I, I thought he might get into the starting lineup, but what we're looking here uh, at here is actually a 3-4-3 three, three, uh, back line, Mercado, Otamendi, Taliafico, uh, four-man midfield, Salvio, Mascherano, Enzo Perez, and Acuna, and then three up front, uh, Mesa, Messi, Aguero. And I get why they're going to switch to a three-man back line and a four-man midfield just because Croatia's midfield is so good. But, uh, yeah, I'm surprised uh, that Pavone is not in the starting lineup. I am uh, still a little mystified that Argentina can't have a better uh, midfield and back line. And and if this lineup is indeed correct, and I think it it is because we tend to find out Argentina's lineup pretty well in advance— no Di Maria. No Dybala. Yeah, I thought Di Maria. I like Di Maria. I think he's a good player. I like wingers. But Argentina is, is not good enough in the air uh, to really make a lot of the work that Di Maria does on, on the left side count. So I'm not shocked uh, to see him come out. And maybe this gets Messi a little bit closer to goal. I mean, this has just been Argentina's Achilles heel 
for, for quite a while now is that Mets, he's got to come deep to get the ball and that he can't pass to himself. Um, so, you know, you'd think Aguero can, can, can do some of that work, but it just didn't work against Iceland. Um, Iceland had just clogged the middle too much. Um, so maybe this gets Messi a little bit closer to goal. Um, you know, this is more, more interesting in a way than the tactics for me, Messi's temperament, Messi's, Messi's ability to sort of handle the pressure and the moment. Obviously we saw him miss the penalty. We saw him tear his armband off. Maybe that's exaggerating. Take, take it off quickly. Um, you know, we saw that sort of same sort of spaced out, bewildered look as he left the field that we've seen so many times in an Argentina jersey. We, of course, have seen Ronaldo do what he does again. Um, we've seen his intangibles, um, his ability to rise to the occasion. This is a massive, massive game for Messi. This is big for their World Cup, and because it's big for their World Cup, it's big for his career, his legacy everything he wants to accomplish in an Argentina shirt. It seems like he wears the burden when he plays for this team so much. There's going to be a burden tomorrow. And I'm really, really interested to just watch his body language, see how he handles the game, see if he gets frustrated, see if he's communicating and, and, and combining with his teammates. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't care as much about the tactics uh, as I do just kind of seeing, again, one of the great uh, players we'll ever see in any sport um, handle this momentous occasion. I, I, that's what I'm looking forward to, and it's probably what I'll wind up writing about. Um, and uh, you know, it's a big test for him. It's a, it's a fine, you know, something close to a final exam uh, in a way uh, for his time in an Argentina shirt. And of course, if he passes, then there's another one. Uh, but this is a big game for him. You know, I always keep track of how many times I've seen Messi play in person, and I'm sort of envious that you're now getting to see him play for the second straight time this week in person. That's true. This, and this will be my, I, in all three of my World Cups, I've gotten to see him play. Uh, I was at the, um, well, play. I, I mean, I was at the, the, when they were demolished by Germany uh, in the quarterfinals in South Africa, um, right after the loss to Ghana, um, I left Johannesburg and went to Cape Town, which literally a breath of fresh air. And uh, my first game there was, I think it was 4 nothing. Um, Germany just completely dismantled Argentina and Diego and, and manager Diego Maradona. Um, how, how ridiculous is that, by the way, that Diego Maradona was the manager of Argentina in a World Cup? <laughs> and then, and then, and then, after losing that emphatically, it's become nothing but a, a, a nonstop critic since then, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And then, obviously, four years ago at the final, um, and I may have seen another game four years ago. I can't even remember at this point. And then, uh, yeah. So and. It's awesome, you know, to see Messi in a World Cup. I've never seen him play for Bar. I've, I've seen him play for Barcelona in an official game only one time. Um, you know, I've seen him in a couple friendlies, uh, but obviously, yeah, I mean, between between uh, Copa America and uh, and World Cup, I've gotten a few opportunities, and um, and other than the final, other than other than four years ago, um, you know, there was still a sense back then as difficult as that loss was for him that that wasn't the end of the road, right? I mean, he, he was still younger in, in his, in his mid twenties and, you know, there was time left, but, but this, this time feels different. This time feels like, you know, this is his last opportunity to really have, maybe he plays in another world cup, but you know, he's in his prime now um, and he likely won't be in four years. And I'm not saying anything anyone doesn't know. So um, ah, just looking forward to how he handles the, the stage. Um, it's going to be good. 
Here's one thing I would say is that I think this very well could be Messi's last World Cup, but I don't think it's Cristiano Ronaldo's last World Cup, even though he's older than Messi. And I think that has to do with Cristiano Ronaldo's physical condition just being so freaking good. He has lost a step uh, in terms of speed, but that has allowed him to shift from the wing to being a center forward and being basically the world's best center forward. Whereas I think Messi's so fed up with the Argentine Federation and the pressure that comes with playing for Argentina, I think this very well could be his last World Cup. Um, but we'll see. Um, you know, uh, the other yeah, thing Ronaldo, I, Ronaldo could be like a could be like a like a Miroslav Klose type, right? Like a guy who just stands in front of the goal, the ball bounces off him and goes in. You know, uh, <laughs> he's so smart. I mean, that run today, that run, I, I didn't see the game, but I saw a replay of of the the really really kind of devious and 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 quickly sort of changing run that he made uh in the penalty area uh, to 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 get his head on that ball uh today sort of shaking the defender and changing directions and yeah he's he's just absolutely brilliant and and you're right he he is probably the best center forward in the world and and four years from now when he's kind of you know stiff and solid um he's going to have uh, all the guile in the world and we'll we'll still be pounding goals in I don't doubt it for a second um, and I also, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about Messi in terms of his future. He's hard. He's a lot harder to read as a person. Um, you know, who knows what he wants and what's going to fulfill him. Um, but, uh, but yeah, certainly if after this World Cup he retired from the national team, I don't think that would shock anyone either. True. Uh, before we shift to our Landon Donovan interview, I want to shift to uh, you just had a, a cleaning lady of some sort stop by this your room in this bad hotel in Nizhny Novgorod who looked like your mom? Yeah. Well, you really want to talk about this. I obviously when, when Grant calls me to do the podcast, he's like, Hey, how are you doing? And I'm like, Oh my God, let me tell you about my hotel room. And then I mentioned that I, I had a back to the future moment where my, my mother's 30 year old doppelganger came in to give me new sheets. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was strange. Um, she looked, very, very, very much like my my mother did, probably when she was around thirty. Uh, uh, random there Russian, you go, listeners. yeah, random Russian city. Uh, very much a rosebud moment for the Planet Football World Cup Daily podcast. The the hotel I'm the hotel I'm staying in in Nizhny is is on a hill in the in the city, and so like on a map, it looks like you are right in the middle of downtown uh, Nizhny Novgorod, but actually you're on a hill. And so you're actually quite far away from civilization. And this is, this is like the shining, you know, like we're, 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 we're here sort of surrounded by woods and gravel and my room, I, I can almost um, touch both walls of my room at the same time. Um, having never served on a submarine, this is the, the, the smallest room I've ever been in. Um, and I will be here for five days. I'm going to make myself cozy. Um, there's a nice, there's a nice bar, uh, and sort of restaurant area in the lobby. So I imagine I'm probably going to be working there. There's also Argentine Fox. We talk a lot about Fox on our podcast, um, since they pay you and over the past couple of nights have fed me. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah. So there's an Argentine Fox kind of makeshift studio downstairs, and they were recording some guys and there were people I'm a little bit embarrassed because there were, there, there were clearly fans kind of like hanging out, watching this go on. So it made me think that one of the people who was speaking on camera was someone of consequence. 
um, unless they were just really, really interested in watching like two people speak on camera. But it, but I felt maybe like one of them was maybe a former player or something, but he's not someone I recognize and maybe I should. Um, it wasn't like standing on the Fox lot and seeing like, you know, Gary Lineker walk by. Um, so, uh, or Crespo or Sador for any of the other people. Um, so yeah, that's all going on here. And there are uh, obviously a ton of Argentines in the city and the English are going to be coming in soon. And we know how much those two fan bases get along. Um, and we're all sort of in the middle of Russia. So this is the surreal part of a World Cup, and it's going to be very different from Moscow, and nothing I'm saying is anywhere close to as interesting as what Landon has to say, so I should shut up. We're going to give the floor to Landon Donovan here in a second, but uh, Brian Strauss, another day, another podcast. Thanks, man. All right, later. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing. But there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event, whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and just with a few taps, I can instantly find seats. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code GRANT today. That's promo code GRANT for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Big thanks to Brian Strauss. Next up is my interview with Landon Donovan. All right, let's bring in our interview guest for the day. He is Landon Donovan coming in from California. Landon, how are you? Good, I guess, afternoon, maybe, evening, Grant. (laughs) We're recording this at 5.15 p.m. Moscow time. It is 7.15 a.m. California time. You're up bright and early, so thanks for doing that. I've got two little kids. I'm always up early. (laughs) So lots to talk about with World Cup. Let's get the elephant in the room out of the way, though, first. Uh, Kind of an interesting weekend for you on Twitter. Uh, Where are you on that situation? Yeah, very interesting. Um, Unexpected, but I guess I should have been a little more aware of what might be coming uh, for those who are wondering what the heck we're talking about. Um, I did a, an ad with Wells Fargo. Um, well, let me back up. A couple months ago, Wells Fargo reached out and said, we'd like to do another commercial with you. Um, the first one we did, the infamous Hat Trick Rick commercial <laughs> and the Don Ovan commercial was received really well and we want to do something else. A classic. And so we talked over, uh, yeah. So we talked over a few weeks, and they said, you know, we want to 
figure out a way to get people behind this Mexican team. And obviously with the U S not being there and, um, the heavy Mexican influence in our country, we want to find a way to, to do that. I said, well, I grew up with Mexicans. Um, I literally learned how to play soccer from Mexicans and I owe a lot of my career from Mexico. And I said, believe it or not, I'm actually rooting for them, which took a lot of people in the Wells Fargo, um, sponsorship and marketing team by surprise but I I said I do I I, I want them to do well I just lived there for four months and I know how much this means to them and I realize it's probably a little bit controversial but I I do want them to do well so anyway so we um, put together this campaign and in retrospect um, I think I should have explained my personal story vis-a-vis the Mexican people and culture and, and how soccer, how Mexican soccer has influenced my life and my career. Um, I think that would have been a much smarter way to handle this as opposed to just coming out with an ad saying I'm supporting Mexico in the world cup because a lot of people understandably took that, um, the wrong way. And, um, I think I, had I done that, it would have been a little easier to, to manage and, um, it's been an interesting weekend. I've learned a lot about my fans, uh, and then I've learned a lot about people who are very feel very strongly about this. And I've also realized it sort of transcends soccer, and is there's a lot of um, unfortunately a lot of hatred in this country, and and just have to say it, there's a lot of racism, and uh, that's come out over the weekend and in all the comments I've seen. So. It's unfortunate, um, but I I do feel connected to the Mexican people in many ways, and, and I do want them to do well. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, doing the interview because you and I had scheduled this interview before all that happened. Uh, you could have very easily canceled it after all this happened. You did not. Uh, so thanks for addressing it now to start. Um, the original idea was just to get you on the podcast and talk about what you're seeing in the World Cup and what comes next for you after Leon, uh, which we'll get to later here. But in terms of the World Cup, what, how many games have you seen? What are your sort of initial thoughts on what we've seen so far? This is the first time in 20 years that I've been able to just sit back and relax and watch a World Cup, obviously playing in a few. And then in 2014, I was still with the Galaxy, so I was you know, I'm watching, but I'm, you can't really just go to a bar and hang out and watch the game. So, uh, the last time I watched, I was 16 years old in my math class. My <laughs> teacher let me put it on. I was the only kid in class watching the world cup and I was in France 98. So this has been a, a different experience. It's been really enjoyable. I got to go to Houston for the Portugal Spain game. I went to see Brian Ching, who, uh, I was a longtime teammate with who just opened a new bar in Houston and we hung out and watch the game with a bunch of fans. It was, as you can imagine, with that game in particular, just really enjoyable for me to sit back, have a beer, and watch the game without any pressure, anxiety. And in a weird way, not having the U.S. there allows you to sort of just enjoy the tournament um, for the good soccer that it is, as opposed to you know being anxious for the next U.S. game or excited for the next U.S. game and and waiting to see what happens with them. So... I've enjoyed it. I've watched probably 80% of the games so far. 
And I guess my biggest takeaway is that the soccer world just continues to get smaller and smaller. You're seeing countries that normally wouldn't be able to compete at this level um, competing because they have players now playing in leagues all over the world. Their coaches are getting better. Uh, infrastructure and training and all these things are getting better and they're learning from all the best countries in the world and the best coaches and the best players and so the soccer world keeps getting smaller and smaller and the results are getting tighter and tighter yeah i mean i'm kind of of two minds i'm curious to hear your thoughts on this you know the only team that seems to have been sort of totally overmatched so far is saudi arabia uh, which lost five nothing to russia in the opener but even saudi arabia in asian world cup qualifying finished ahead of australia which is a, a decent team in my opinion that gave france all they could handle the other day um, and so during the Saudi Arabia game, I'm thinking to myself and tweeting, um, expansion to a 48 team world cup in 2026 in North America. Now we know, uh, seems like we might get some really bad teams in the world cup, but maybe that's not the case. And maybe you're seeing, you know, if you take the teams that aren't qualified for this World Cup, whether it's the U.S. or Italy or Chile or the Netherlands, maybe there won't be too many Saudi Arabias in a 48-team World Cup. What's what's your thought on all this? That's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it because the initial reaction from all of us, I think, was, well, 48 teams is going to severely water down the World Cup. But remember, that's eight years from now. So that's eight years for the the smaller countries to continue to catch up. And... Uh, yeah, I think I think there's something to that. I think it it may be a case where everybody is competitive, or mostly everybody is competitive. And I just don't, you know, as as people were upset about the U.S. not qualifying, it's just not as easy and straightforward for any team anymore. And yes, in Europe you get the, you know, the San Marinos or the Faroe Islands. That, that some of these teams play against, and they win 5 or 6-0, but every other game they play in is a really competitive, good game, and that's all over the world now. So, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe maybe that's the ultimate goal. That should be the goal, I guess, of FIFA, to have every country feel like they have an opportunity to compete. And for us as fans, you want parity, and you want games that are, that are great. You know, I watched Portugal-Morocco this morning, and conventional wisdom would say, well, Portugal went easily. And Morocco, I think, were the better team for most of the game. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's hopefully the way we're going because it just makes it more exciting for fans. Yeah, we just finished seeing that game, one nothing Portugal over Morocco. Early goal from Cristiano Ronaldo. He now has four in the tournament after the hat trick against Spain. He's the figure of the tournament so far, and there is a long ways to go. But what are your thoughts on Ronaldo when you see what he's doing so far you know we have this tendency and i i found myself doing it to say you know he's probably just starting to get past his prime and if he has a bad day or or a bad game you say okay well you know here comes the the you know the end of his career is on its way and then he just has this ability and it's a special ability that that not many people have um to know the moment to recognize the moment and then to take advantage of it. And there just aren't many athletes in any sport who, who can do that, who understand how important a certain moment is or a certain match or a certain time 
and take advantage of it. Obviously, <clears throat> LeBron is a type of player who does that. Beckham was like that. Beckham knew in certain moments, okay, it's time to be the superstar. And he was the superstar, and Cristiano does that. And it's just, just as a avid sports fan, it's just so much fun to watch. And um, you just expect the other day, and then whatever, 90th minute, when he lines up the free kick, you're expecting it to hit the net. And then, of course, it does. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Um, maybe the result of the tournament so far is Mexico one Germany zero. Um, Mexico clearly representing CONCACAF well so far. Um, what stood out to you about Mexico's performance and, and what Germany brought to the table in that game? It was really strange because you could see Mexico winning the game. At least I could see Mexico winning the game in a certain scenario. But I didn't expect Germany to be as I guess unprepared is the word. I don't know if they were tactically unprepared, but they just didn't look like they were really all that up for it until like the 70 or 75th minute. So it was a little strange to see them come out in that way. And I guess when everyone's talking about you as the favorite and you're the defending champs and, you know, most of their players have come off long club seasons. So they're just sort of working their way back into competitive matches again. Uh, I guess that's why they came out a little bit that way. But I give Mexico ton of credit i mean they deserve to win the game it wasn't like they got battered all over the place and their goalie stood on his head it was a deserved victory i think the challenge now for mexico is can you follow that up because sweden and south korea aren't world beaters but they're hard teams to play against and so you really can't let your foot off the gas and the other thing is you don't want to play brazil in the second round right? right so um and there's no guarantee brazil will finish first in their group but you don't want that scenario to play out so you've got to keep your foot on the gas if you're mexico and if you're germany this will be really fascinating now to watch them play sweden because sweden again are not a not an easy team to play against they're also not really scared of the germans because they play in europe they know a lot of the players they've played against them so they won't be frightened by the game and they'll have watched the mexico game and learned how you can beat Germany. So that game is going to be fascinating. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I thought Germany and the central midfield looked pretty old, pretty slow. Uh, so I'm curious to see if they make any changes, bring in guys like Gundogan. Um, you know, Sammy Kadira, I thought, had a rough game. And I thought Vela did a terrific job man-marking Tony Kroos. And Lozano seems like maybe yeah. the breakout star of the tournament. Um, so very curious to see if Mexico can win the group. I think it would be a missed opportunity now if they if they don't to be honest. Um, but the favorites in the tournament coming in, there were probably four ahead of everyone else, right? So Germany, France, Spain, and Brazil. Of those four teams, only France won their first game, and they struggled to do that against Australia. Germany lost, Spain tied, Brazil tied against Switzerland. Um, have you? Has that caused you to shift your thoughts about who who you think is going to win the tournament? My gut reaction said, yes, I should rethink this. But as I think through what I said at the beginning, which is the soccer world is getting smaller and smaller. So it's the first game of the tournament. A team like Switzerland or a team like Australia um, are going to be really, really up for these games, right? And when you think about 
teams like France and Spain and Germany and Brazil. Like I just said, all these teams have come off, all the players on these teams have come off long, grueling seasons, many of them Champions League players who played right towards the end of of the season or played in big leagues around the world where they're playing all the way through May. And then you take a few weeks off and you've got to get right back into it. And you haven't really played a super competitive match in three weeks or four weeks. So I see why that happens in the beginning of tournaments. And I, and I can just go back. It's obviously a long time ago, but when we played Portugal in 2002, the first match of the tournament and we beat them three, two, and we, on that day, we were just better prepared and more up for it. They were a better team, of course. They had better players. They were a better team. But we were more up for it that day, and that made the difference. All that being said, as the tournament goes on, as the players play with each other more, I think the cream still rises to the top, and I think the best teams will still come through. I think it's just going to be a little more of a struggle than you generally see in the opening stages of the World Cup. One, because what I just said, but two, because the soccer world is also getting smaller. So it's not easy to play against Australia. It's not easy, obviously, to play against Mexico. It's not easy to play against Switzerland. Now, before we get into what comes next for you career-wise, I wanted to ask you about Lionel Messi. Uh, Just one game into the tournament, but that was a a struggle for him and for Argentina, 1-1 against a tough Iceland team. And at the end of that game, it really seemed like Messi was reacting poorly to that result, almost as if he was acting like Argentina was out of the World Cup when all it was was an opening game tie. When you're observing Lionel Messi in this tournament, what are your thoughts? We were at the Copa America final when Argentina played Chile. And I was standing behind the goal when Messi missed that penalty. Mm -hmm. And of all the players in the world, I've never, I've never seen in my lifetime a player have more pressure on his shoulders than Messi. And it's crazy to say that because he's, in my opinion, been the best player in the world over the last decade. And he's also been incredibly successful, but we forget sometimes, one, that he's a human being, and two, that he feels like he is carrying an entire country, not just a soccer-loving portion of the country, an entire country. I imagine when Argentina are playing, 90-plus percent of their people are are home watching the game. And he feels that pressure along with the pressure to be as good as or better than Maradona. So I just can't imagine what that's like. And as a human being, you feel for him because he's done everything he could possibly do And he's still, if he doesn't win a World Cup, or imagine if they don't get out of the group, he's going to be criticized massively. I just think, honestly, Grant, I just think Argentina aren't that good. I don't think they are either. I mean, guys who are very talented at their clubs somehow seem to be less talented around Messi with the national team. Yep. But if you just, you know, if you just put out the rosters of the top 10 teams in the World Cup, you know, they're in the top 10, but they're not. No, they're not elite level. Messi's elite, obviously. Di Maria on, on a good day can be elite, but they don't have guys around the field that you say world-class, 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 like some of these other teams do. And I just don't think they're, I don't think they're good enough. Without Messi, I think they're definitely not good enough. Messi has to be superhuman if they're going to have a chance to win the World Cup. 
Yeah, totally agree with you. Argentina has a tough game, big game coming up against Croatia. That's going to be a fascinating one to see. I think Croatia may have the best midfield in the tournament, and Argentina's midfield centrally is just a, a total weakness. I think Mascherano is has had a great career, but his legs aren't what they were before, and I just don't see a lot of midfield strength there. Agreed. It'll be fascinating to watch. Um, so let's talk about uh, what comes next for you. Leon announced this week after you played this past season with them that uh, you will not be connected to the club any longer. Um are you still considering playing or, or what does come next? Well, I hesitate to say no because I'm the idiot who could try to play again. Um, so I, I don't envision that. Um, my, my time there was terrific. My family got an experience that we will never, ever have the opportunity to have again. Um, the club worked great to me from the ownership down through everybody in the front office. They were, they were just professional and really a joy to be around. Um, I don't envision playing. Um, and for now, I guess my focus will be now on a couple of things. One, continuing to be a father. Um, and two, Majority of my time in this part of the year will be focused on the MLS to San Diego effort. And that's uh, where I find I'm very passionate and I, I would like to bring something to my new home in San Diego. So I'll get spent. Are you still interested in doing uh, television work? I am. I, I really do enjoy it. And we should take a moment to say, I know we both either worked for or do work for Fox, but it, the tournament from a like visual and from a production standpoint has been fantastic so far. And you kind of just take it for granted because for many years ESPN did such a great job and, and you just sort of just expect that. But as we both know, it's not easy. Um, all the commentators have been fantastic. John and Stuart, who I was with for a long time, I think are the best two in the business by a, by a country mile. And so it's been really enjoyable to watch them. Um, I do enjoy doing it and I would like to continue doing it if, if the opportunity is there. So, so that's something that I think I can contribute. Um, and I think people can learn um, from some of the experiences as I talk about it. And it's something I would like to do. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, anything else you want to add from California? Um, not really. It's just fun to watch a World Cup again. It's really fun. I, I didn't realize how how enjoyable this is to to just be home watching a game or going out to a bar at 8 a.m. with random soccer fans and enjoy what this is about. I, I think we're very lucky that we get to either work in this business or just experience soccer on this level and it's fun to watch people walk around talking about soccer for a month so it's been really enjoyable for me it really is a special event uh landon donovan thanks so much for joining the show again my pleasure grant thank you thanks for listening to the planet football world cup daily podcast i'd like to thank brian strauss and landon donovan as well as everyone at cadence 13 and sports illustrated who supports this podcast 
please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. It really does help the cause if you do. And we'll see you tomorrow. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.